eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! And welcome in to another episode of Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. I am your solo host for this segment. We had to get a little creative. Things are a little weird this week with the schedule. So we're technically time traveling here. Stick with me. I wanted to hold off on this first segment until we could get the first injury report, which if you're watching on YouTube is flashed up to my right here. And in order to do that, we had to kind of go backwards. So Steve Geller will be with me for the second and third segments of this program. But this first one's just going to be me. We're going to go over the injury report. I was able to chat with a few Saints players in the locker room today. So I want to play that audio for you in the second half today. We will get some insight on what to expect from the Panthers. We've got a great guest in Desmond Johnson. You can check him out on Twitter at Des underscore 3505. He's the host of the Believe in Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. He hosts that with Jonathan Stewart, former Panthers running back, and also Panthers beat writer Skylar Callahan. He's also the owner, producer, content creator of TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. So check him out. He gave us a lot of interesting insight. So definitely stick around for that. And then in the final segment, we're going to hear an exclusive interview with Mickey Loomis that we got this week on WWL Radio. We had some really interesting things to say about Derek Carr. And then Steve Geller and myself are going to pick some X factors for the Monday night game. Everything is a day late this week. So that's why this is the Thursday episode that we are recording, but it is the first day of the injury report. So on for Monday night games, you get Thursday, Friday, Saturday injury reports. Everything's a day later. So we got the first one today. And I have to say, guys, knock on wood, it's hard to hate the 
current state of the Saints' health, right? Like, so you had a couple roster moves this week relative to injuries. Ryan Connolly went to injured reserve. Peyton Turner went to injured reserve. The Saints signed Kyle Phillips and Lynn Bowden Jr. to the active roster. And I have to say, personally, I appreciate the Lynn Bowden Jr. signing because I felt like I was the only one who was putting out roster projections that had Lynn Bowden Jr. on it. I felt like he was pretty close to making the roster, and he ultimately did not make it. He got sent to the practice squad. But I do feel vindicated in that clearly he was pretty close to making this roster if he's one of the first guys signed with some of these injuries. I believe there is still one roster spot available for someone to be signed into. So you've had two players sent to IR and you already had one available. Um, There's been a few other players added to the practice squad, a couple tight ends, a pass rusher, but nothing super notable. So you don't need to get too deep into it. But let's go into the injury report, which obviously first one came out today. Five players on it. For the second consecutive week, Ryan Ramchek, right tackle, and tight end Jimmy Graham are both on here. They did not participate in the first day of practice, but it is just for rest. They're technically listed as limited today, but that just means they went through stretches. They didn't do anything, and that's fine. You saw Ryan Ramchek was on a program throughout camp. He was on a program last year, and that seemed to help him stay healthy. And so, hey, whatever works. I'm not complaining about it. Same thing with Jimmy Graham. He obviously wasn't hugely involved in the offense in week one. We'll see how that develops throughout the season. Now, the only concerning addition you had on this injury report, Jawan Johnson with a calf issue. He was limited in practice, but he did get work in. So I don't think it's anything super significant, but that'll be something to watch. Two guys who did leave the game on Sunday and came back, Chris Olave, Alante Taylor. Neither of them appeared on this injury report, and that's a very good sign. Anytime you're watching a game and you see someone get dinged up, leave the field, go into the injury retent and come back. Those are the guys you're kind of waiting uh, with bated breath to see, okay, what happens? Are they going to show up in the injury report? Is it something they played through that got worse? That sort of thing. So not seeing them on here is a positive sign. Two players are on this injury report, but got back to practice for the first time in several weeks. One, running back Kendra Miller looked good. He's limited in practice today, but I didn't see any physical limitations. It looks like he's getting the work in that he needs to be getting for me to feel confident that he's going to make his debut in week two against the Panthers. Now, can he help spur this anemic rushing attack? I don't know, but I want to see him on the field. You drafted him in the third round for a reason. You like him. He's looked good throughout camp. You really didn't see any of the running backs involved in the passing game in week one. And I think that is something that Kendra Miller can bring that Jamal Williams, while capable as a pass catcher, I wouldn't consider him to be dynamic. As Bobby Bear puts it this way, and I think it's a good way to frame it. Jamal Williams is the type of running back who feels like he's fighting the football when he's catching it. Kendra Miller just feels like he's plucking it out of the air. Then that's a good thing. I'd like to see him develop that part of his game. Either way, it would be nice to see him out on the field, even if it's only for a limited number of snaps against the Panthers. Because, hey, rookie running backs, you want to get them all the reps you can early in the season so that if you need them at the end of the season, they are ready. The next player who came back for today's practice and was actually wearing a red non-contact jersey, first time he's ever done that, he told us today. JT Gray, the ace, the special teams ace himself. He was back out there. 
dealing with that shoulder injury. Kendra Miller, I don't know if I mentioned he's dealing with a hamstring injury. JT Gray is dealing with a shoulder injury. He has not practiced fully since prior to the preseason finale. That is when he hurt his shoulder making a tackle. He left the game, did not come back. It's good to see him back out there. He's the one I'm a little questionable about. Questionable. He's the one that I have more questions about in terms of his potential availability in week two, just because when you're wearing a red non-contact jersey on Thursday, three days before the game, that does not exactly inspire confidence in me that you will suddenly be ready to go full speed and take hits in a game on Monday. But we'll have to see. Maybe he can shed that later in the week and get out there. He's a big, important piece in this special teams group. You want him out there. I think the Saints special teams did fine without him, but you're better off with him. So hopefully he can kick that injury and get out there. Otherwise, I think you're feeling great. On the Panthers' side, J.C. Horn, their star cornerback, dealing with a hamstring injury, does not expect to be out there. I think he's more likely to head to IR than to be back this week. Uh, DJ Chark, wide receiver, dealing with a hamstring injury. It looks like he could be back this week. He was limited in practice then, obviously. And then tackle Taylor Moton, dealing with a biceps injury. He was limited as well. So, you know, all in all, for the Saints, seems like they're getting healthier. You know, Peyton Turner, obviously, notwithstanding. But this is, you know, we, we talked a lot about injuries throughout camp, and you're being you're being cautious with some guys, and you're, you know, like, well, why are these injuries piling up? I think part of it is we just heard more about them because DA is telling us more about them. But this is a very good sign for the Saints in terms of limiting soft tissue injuries. Like Peyton Turner's injury, that's frustrating, but there's really nothing you can do about it from a physical standpoint. You can't, uh, you know, the Foot injuries happen. We saw them last year all throughout the season. Hopefully, this is just that one you can get by and you can you can work it out. Injuries happen throughout camp. You can't avoid them. Or injuries happen throughout a season. You can't avoid them. But for now, it seems like the Saints are on the right side of things. All right, before we move on to that second segment, I did want to get to a couple quick interviews I was able to do in the locker room. One with James Hurst. I asked James Hurst about a few elements of of what's going on with Trevor Penning and the offensive line. It's been a big discussion this week. One thing that's been pretty clear from all the people I've talked to is, you know, that there's urgency around the offensive line and getting everything up to speed. There's not a, there's no panic in Trevor Penning's ability at left tackle and this offensive line's ability. It's more about getting to the point where, you know, they can get to week one's always kind of a, uh, you know, a, a crapshoot in terms of exactly what you're going to see from an offensive line perspective. But I thought, you know, James Hurst g- gave some pretty good insight here. So let's listen to that interview. Gibson, this is the Panthers team that you have experience against. They have made a lot of changes. I think they switched to a 3-4. Yeah. Is, is it a situation where you kind of have to throw out a little bit of that tape because it's just going to be a different scheme? Or how, how are you approaching Yeah, I think um, as far as schematically, there is a lot that you throw out, uh, you don't look at. But they do have some of those players uh, up front, Brian Burns, um, Derek Brown, who are still there. And you know what kind of player they are, what personal traits that they have as a player. But as far as scheme, yes, a lot of things are different. So, uh, you know, we have to take a look at that and make sure we're sharp on that. Gotcha. And this is just one place specifically that I noticed in the, I think it was the, the sack that, a fumble, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, I, I saw Jeffrey Simmons kind of reached out, grabbed Trevor uh, by, the, by the jersey yeah. and pulled him in. And how often is that sort of thing happening on the, is that something you have to get used to in the NFL? These guys are so smart and um, tricky. And yeah, it was, a, it was a real vet move, I guess, by, uh, by Jeff. Um, you know, honestly, I haven't seen it in person, um, but it worked. You know, usually uh, it's hard for that guy to, to reach out and grab someone like that and hold him back. Uh, he definitely did. You know, it's not something 
refs are ever going to be able to see or be able to call. So uh, it's not something we're going to spend any time really worrying or complaining about. Um, I guess, you know, hats off to him. It was a smart play. Uh, I was able to execute it, which is pretty pretty incredible, honestly. Um, but, yeah, we, we can't have a free rush off the edge. So whatever we have to do, make sure that doesn't happen again. we get, we got to get that done. Yeah, Jim, just, you know, last question. When you're dealing with a guy who's really just beating you with speed, as a, as a tackle, what are what are you, your kind of the techniques you're trying to hone in on to stop that from happening? Because it seemed like Arden was getting around the edge a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think um, a speed rusher, uh, a lot of that has to deal with the angle that they're rushing on, right? So you knowing where your quarterback's dropping to, and uh, as a defensive end, they're trying to take the, the fastest the fastest way from one point to another point is a straight line, right? So uh, you have to understand the angle that they're trying to rush. They're trying to run more of a hoop, or if they're trying to run a direct line. As a tackle, you have to understand the intersecting point, wherever that is, and that changes from play to play, from player to player, uh, so make sure that you're between um, the defensive guy and the quarterback. And I know that sounds really simple, but at the end of the day, that's, that's really what's important. Um, Make them run around, run around, run around. If your angle's right, you know they, they shouldn't be able to, um, with that, with exception, of course, be able to get to the quarterback. Like as that. you're adjusting to the NFL, as Trevor is, is that one of the more difficult things? You have yeah, to I, I think so. And just um, you know, studying the film and have more confidence of going into the game and saying, hey, you know, this guy's going to rush like this or this guy's going to rush like that. Um, understanding how you know maybe his set needs to change or how his technique needs to change here and there. Um, I think he'll get used to that. And the more reps he has, more experience, that'll just get better and better. Gotcha. You know, one of the reasons I- this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I wanted to talk to James Hurst about that is because you know, I think James, he's done it all. He understands this stuff. And one of the reasons he's been able to stick in the NFL as long as he has is he's very good at it. And, you know, I, I, I did ask him about that Jeffrey Simmons play mainly because uh, I, I'd been asked about it from people on Twitter. And I was curious you know, how often does that kind of thing happen? And uh, I, I saw some people complaining about, wow, how did the refs miss this call? You know, you hear James talk about it. He's not mad. It's a good play by Jeff Sims. I mean, obviously it's a penalty, but it's never going to get called. And so at the end of the day, it's like, good job. I mean, it's a, it's a solid play by Jeff Simmons. Um, but the other question I asked him that I thought gives you some real insight into, you know, the, the, the life of a left tackle, right? Like, you're going to get rushed a lot of different ways. One of the things that I've seen Trevor Penning specifically struggle with to this point in his career is managing speed rushers uh, off the edge. It seems like he's really antsy to get inside. He doesn't want to get beat inside. So he'll set too shallow and he won't create that angle. And one, what I want to see Trevor get better at is accepting that you can give ground as a left tackle. You don't constantly have to be pancaking people. If they don't get to your quarterback, that's a win. It doesn't matter how far they run. You can ride them in a circle around your quarterback. You just can't allow them to turn that corner. And that's where I think Trevor needs to accelerate his growth is accepting that you are not always going to knock someone off the line. You can give a little bit of ground, but you have to understand the angles. And that's where I think he's been losing. I think he can get better at that. It's and, and like James said, I think it is a, a very difficult thing to pick up as you get into the NFL and you're adjusting to the speed, you're adjusting to the power. But again, you, you hear James talk, you, 
and, and that was not a that would we, he talked for a lot longer than that you know that was kind of his tone there his intonations like he's getting better he's gonna figure it out so I, i'm not super concerned about it i want to see him improve this week next week going forward and i think he will Flipping sides, one of the other guys I was able to talk to today is Tano Passigno. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who's in the rotation. You know, he's not a starter. He's working in. He gets into NASCAR packages. But he has worked with Carl Granderson for each of the past three seasons. And I felt like he was a, as good a person as any to talk about the growth we have seen from Carl. Because I think if what we saw in week one was not a mirage, he could, he could be in line for a huge season. And he can make life so much easier across from him. And it's just the confidence he's playing with is super impressive. And so I asked Tano about that, and here's what he had to say. Tano, obviously you've been teammates with Carly the last few seasons. What have you seen in terms of growth from him? Because it seems like he's playing really confidently right now. Oh, yeah. Carl, man, he's he's shown that he's um, progressed every year, you know. And um, like you said, he's confident. And I feel like that confidence is shown in his pass rush just – all the different things he's hitting people with, man. He has a bag full of moves, bags full of tricks, and he's not afraid to put it out there. We got a coach that's really encouraging that, so it's awesome. It's kind of an inside baseball question, but I am curious, as someone who's never done anything like that, he has all these moves, right? You have a spin move, you have a bull rush. Do you communicate beforehand? I'm like, okay, I'm doing this, you're doing this. Is that something, or do you just kind of go Sometimes, but half the time, bro, it's we're playing off each other. Like, that's where it comes down to the um, knowing each other, the chemistry and stuff like that. So, yeah, half the time, I just know, hey, Carl's about to pull something crazy, let me cover him. Or, like, let me do something, Carl can cover me, you know? Like, we, we see each other really quick. In the spin move specifically, it seems like, you know, we've seen Brian Carl have it really nice. Is that something you guys have been working on? <laughs> um, yeah, something we've been working on, but, I mean, we got a lot more tricks in the bag, so that's just the, ice, the tip of the iceberg. Gotcha. I appreciate it, that last answer I thought was amusing. You know, I asked him about the spin moves and he immediately just flashes this huge grin. Uh, yeah, they've been working on spin moves. And I did think it was interesting. You talked about Todd Grantham, their new defensive line coach. It's really, he's encouraging that type, that part of their game, the, 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 you know, all the moves, all the different intricacies they can work in. And I think we've seen that. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, you see all these spin moves out there and these different types of rush patterns and it's worked so far and it's, it's, it's good to see. And you know, I thought Ryan Nielsen was a great coach, but you never know. Like sometimes you just switch, change things up and suddenly th- it clicks for some people. And I think that might be what's going on for Carl in the pass rush right now. And so hopefully that continues and you can get this really effective group throughout the season that makes life a whole lot easier on the defensive secondary, a very talented defensive secondary. Cause if you can get the quarterback kind of playing in their own head, that's when those interceptions come. And I don't, I don't think, you know, the lack of interceptions last year, I think that is directly related to the lack of pressure, the lack of forced mistakes going on behind the line of scrimmage with the other team. So hopefully that continues, and it should because you've got a bunch of rookies coming up. And if you can't force a rookie in his second career game to make some mistakes, then that's on the defense. It is not a matter of the offense succeeding. It is a matter of the defense not doing enough. So hopefully that can be the case. Hopefully that can continue. But all right, let's wrap up that segment here. We're going to come back. We're going to bring in Steve Geller, Desmond Johnson. We're going to get into more of what to expect from this Panthers matchup is going to be kind of our weekly look around. We're going to try to bring in someone behind enemy lines to break down what to expect because I don't know that much about the Panthers. All I know is that condensed game that I watched and 
they look solid at points, but they look very gettable. So I, you know, if I'm if I'm betting, I'm betting on the Saints this week to go up to Carolina and buck that trend of week two letdowns that we have seen the last few seasons. So this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow my co-host at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. Check out the latest Saints content at WWL.com and stick around.